0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus put before the crowds another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the weed into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun, in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Most of the time when Jesus had a point that he wanted to make, he didn't give lectures, he told stories. And they were usually very down-to-earth, everyday kind of stories that everyday, down-to-earth kinds of people could understand because Jesus, above all, did not come to make God confusing. Jesus, above all, came to make God known. One day when Jesus was telling people some things about how it is if they want to understand the kingdom of heaven as opposed to the kingdom of the world he told a whole group of stories around that topic the fact that most of the of the down to earth kinds of people that he was talking to weren't city folk they were from the farm several of the stories that he told them were stories from the farm and that story we just heard is one in that series to think about the kingdom of heaven he said think about a farmer he's a good farmer he, he's the best farmer he, does, he knows how to be. He does everything he can. He, he buys good land. He buys quality seed. He has good equipment. He maintains his equipment. He lives the kind of life and does the kind of things that are meant to produce quality results, and they should. So happened, Jesus said, that on the night after this excellent farmer sowed his quality seed in his quality soil in his perfectly prepared field while he was sleeping, an enemy of his came and sowed weed seeds in the wheat. And the enemy did this so expertly that no one even discovered it until weeks later when some of the hired hands told the farmer, there seemed to be a bumper crop of weeds. Growing right there with his wheat. What are you going to do about it, they said, because this is going to hurt your yield? And what's more, you know that when your neighbors are driving around on Sunday afternoon looking at everybody else's fields, they are going to see your field... And the next morning, they're going to run down to the Main Street Cafe, and before they even order their eggs, they are going to tell everybody that you have a terrible-looking field and you obviously have been doing shoddy work and cutting corners. Well, this farmer knew that people would probably think things like that and say things like that and do things like that. It's just that he also knew he had an enemy and that this enemy had done some quality work of his own. Commentator I read said that the weed being referred to here is a, is a particular kind of weed found in the Mideast known as darnel, which is a poisonous weed and which, when it first sprouts, looks almost exactly like a blade of wheat. In fact, the two resemble each other so closely, you can't even tell that the darnel is a weed and not wheat until the ears of grain begin to appear. And by that time, it's too late to do anything about it because by that time, the roots of this darnel weed are so intertwined with the roots of the wheat that if you pulled the one up, you'd pull the other one too. And roundup did not exist then. And Roundup wheat didn't either. And so unless the farmer wanted to go in and rip everything out, the good and the bad, and therefore kill everything, the good with the bad, he really couldn't do anything at all. And so when his hired hands got a little panicky, they said, we got to get rid of those weeds. You can't believe what the neighbors are going to say. The farmer said, no. Let the wheat and the wheat's wheat grow together for now. And wait until the harvest, and then at harvest time, when it's time, we'll cut the wheat and the weed down, and we'll burn the weeds, and the wheat will be gathered into my bins. And so it is, Jesus said, with the kingdom of heaven. Now in that story, to simple countryside folk, Jesus is addressing two questions that really aren't simple. Two questions which for many people, church people and non-church people alike, are really good questions, really difficult questions, oftentimes really painful questions. The first question is the question of why evil is such a persistent reality in the world if God is in fact good and if God is in fact God. The second question is the question of why sin is Is such a persistent reality in the church if Jesus is in fact Lord? Some of you who are here this morning have wondered one or both of those questions, as have some who are not here this morning, and whose reason in some cases for not being here is that they've never heard what they consider to be an acceptable reply to those questions. You Christians say God is love, they say, but that is ridiculous, they say, because if God is love and if God is God, then why in heaven's name does God allow evil to be the thing writing all the headlines? And they say you Christians are always talking about loving one another and doing what Jesus would do, but in fact, I've seen you, you folks do the same thing everybody does. I've seen you lying, and cheating and judging others and gossiping to beat the band just like everybody else except you're worse because you're church people. You think you're so high and mighty better than everybody else which makes you just a bunch of hypocrites. Have you ever thought or wondered or heard someone think and wonder any of those thoughts? Well, it turns out it's not new because Jesus was replying to thoughts just like that 2,000 years ago when he told this story of those darn, darnel weeds in the field. And he doesn't tell us everything that maybe we would like to know and reply to those questions. Probably, I think, because you pretty much have to be God to understand everything when it comes to those two questions. And we, none of us, are God. We like to think we are sometimes, but we are grossly unfit for the job. Which means that when it comes to knowing and understanding all things about the answers to questions as good as those two questions, we do, even at our smartest best. I mean, even if George Farrell was here, he would tell you even he sometimes had to sit back and just understand that there are some things that are mystery. Some things we don't know probably can't. But in this story, Jesus does give us a few things to know and to keep in mind as we wonder about and even struggle with things mysterious, sometimes painfully so. First thing is this God has an enemy. And that enemy takes delight in sowing weed seed right there in the same fields where God has sown wheat seed. In Scripture, the enemy is referred to most often as, as the devil or Satan. Some folks conjure up images of Halloween pitchforks and red horns and a red suit and they think that all sounds terribly naive and I'm sure that the image of of red suits and pitchforks and, and horns is terribly naive. It's just that as far as the Bible is concerned, it is more naive to assume that the only powerful powers at work in this world are powerful powers which desire anything good. God, this parable says, has an enemy. An enemy who absolutely delights in sowing his noxious, toxic kinds of seeds. And his particular delight is when he can get those seeds to take root and grow right there in the middle of the very field that God has labored so hard to plant the church. And this evil enemy of God's Is evil but he's good at it and sometimes he succeeds at what he does and of course if you're a truth teller you know that sometimes the successes the enemy the one opposed to God's desires sometimes the successes he's had have been successes with you which doesn't make everything clear but it's a clear thing to bear in mind when you wonder about or struggle with the reality of evil in your life and in the life of the church and in the life of the world, God is an enemy. God has an enemy that is very good at what he does. And his favorite thing is to sow destructive, poisonous seed whenever and wherever God has sown good seed. Whether that seed is sown in hearts or in relationships. What St. Paul was aware of when he wrote that, once again, very complicated passage from Romans, which is also very marvelous, when he talks about the fact that, that we, not just we, but the whole creation, he says, are groaning with longing for the revealing of the children of God, for the fields of our hearts, lives, and relationships at last to be free of those darn and poisonous weeds For the creation was subjected to futility, says Paul, not of its own will, but of the will of the one who subjected it. Leads to a second thing in this parable addressing the fact that, yes, many people, including probably all of us at one time or another, have been disillusioned by the ugly reality of sin in this church. I mean, not in the church, in all churches. I mean, you, you you deal with crud and pettiness and just general ugliness every day of the week, and it can be disillusioning to come to church hoping to find some escape from it all, but instead sometimes for crying out loud you find more of the same. I've had conversations, painful ones sometimes, angry ones sometimes with one person or another who used to come to church but doesn't now, and they'll say to me, I wouldn't mind going to church, but when I go, so-and-so is there. And do you know what that such-and-such did to me? Do you know what that such-and-such said about me? And then they will go on to tell me what that lousy such-and-such-and-so-and-so did or said to them, and I find myself getting discouraged, for goodness sakes. And then I need to remember And they need to remember, and you need to remember, that the church, as long as it's the church in the fields of this world, isn't a place that's free from sin. The church in this world is a place where sinners are set free. Not because of their personal ability to be good that is more powerful than sin, but because Jesus, all the way to a cross, all the way to you, all the way to that lousy such and such, loves and forgives sinners. Church is not a storefront window where good people gather to be on display. The church is a place for sinners to gather, to gather together around the word, around the promises, around the mercy, around the grace of he who alone is more powerful both than the evil one, and our all too willing, completely willing compliance with the evil one's plans. Which doesn't mean that we aren't called to struggle against sin. It doesn't mean we're not called to resist sin. It doesn't mean that with God's help we can't some win some battles against sin in our own lives. People with God's help have won some major battles with sin in their lives. It's just that in this life, in this life, we none of us get to the point where we can say, all right, I've made it. Unlike the rest of you, I personally am now weed free. There is no more sin. There's no more not what God wants in my life, in my heart, in my thoughts, in my actions. If you were here two weeks ago, we wrestled with Paul's Romans 7 where he agonizes about the weedy realities of his own life. Remember, he says, I know what's good. I want what's good. Sometimes I don't do what's good. I know what's bad. I don't want to do what's bad. Sometimes I do what, what's bad. He said, wretched man that I am, who will set me free? And his answer to his own question is precisely not. I'm going to beat this. His answer to his own question is, thanks be to God. For our Lord Jesus Christ, and the grace which He pours upon us, and the victory which He won for us. It is not spiritual roundup, it is the sweet fertilizer of grace that is ours in our Lord Jesus Christ. Which means that it doesn't mean we don't seek what it what is good, but it does mean that doing what Jesus would do is not most importantly measured by goodness with which we seek to rise above others. It is measured most importantly by the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the patience, the love with which we reach out to others. Which means, do you understand this, that that lousy so-and-so neighbor of yours and his sin is not a threat to the existence of the church. That lousy so-and-so neighbor of yours and her sin is the reason for the church as it is an opportunity for you to be the church. The church of Jesus, the church where sinners, sinners like you and me and your lousy so-and-so neighbor are set free not by our goodness, but by God's grace. Jesus promises that there's room for each of us sinners in this church because there's room for us and our sin at the foot of his cross. And so to the servants who want to rip out all hints of weediness, the farmer in the parable says, by the way, this is God in the parable who says no. And what he asks of us instead in a wheat and weeds kind of world is that we be patient with one another, And that we forgive one another. And that we never give up on someone as though they were a lost cause of sin and weediness, including those times when you think the lost cause someone is you. For God is patient. God is forgiving. And in this life, in all of creation, God gives up on no one. And yes, the parable says in the end, the harvest... The day of judgment will come. You and I aren't called to do the judging. We're called to fight the battles against sin and weediness in our own lives while sowing good seed in every field where the enemy has done his planting. And the good seed, above all, is the Word. The Word which addresses us with something greater than judgment, it judges us with a promise. For here's the best seed of all seeds. This word. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. The Sylvia, the hymn is in one minute. I know you're a wonderful singer. God forgives you all your sins. Believe that promise and you will no doubt with your weed and wheat heart in this weed and wheat world still have some struggles to struggle and some battles to battle, but believing the promise and resting your heart in it, you will be struggling the struggles and battling the battles of one who is free. Thanks be to God with the victory that is ours in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.